even if it's not what the pastor is talking about, we ask that we receive your guidance in your, in your son's name. Okay, in 2 Corinthians, um, there are a few discussions this week on the purpose of the church and uh, with people from other churches. That's always helpful. Um, there have been a couple discussions with uh, disciples of Jesus Christ. Of course, what we say when we talk with each other about the faith of the scriptures, we're trying to improve the discipleship of the people. But that's different than talking about discipleship as discipleship or evangelism as evangelism. Too often we, we step into a realm that we think we are accomplishing because we have a program of discipleship. Not that we're making disciples. Now, it's easy to make a judgment about the things that we don't do. Isn't it? it's, uh, we don't have a discipleship program here at All Souls Christian because we're too cool for that. But in the past, what does he always talk about? Holiness, right? There's always holiness. And I can show you, you, you get the hand out there like a, you have a floppy model. It's not actually floppy enough. It's not like building down level. Talking about holiness. Churches have different for, you know, process. But too often, the righteousness of the believers, we know it's a good thing. We want righteousness. Some churches are big about talking about that. Well, there's discipleship, or there's holiness. So what becomes when you been a Christian long enough, and some of us are old. Let's see how many. About seven of us, maybe. Two, four, six, eight. No, that's ten of us. I'm counting you. I counted you, Scott. Just collapsed. Grandmother witnessing the guys. Patrick, he's 
objection to the Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are competent of ourselves to claim anything as coming from us. Our competence is from God, who has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant, not in a written code, but in the Spirit. For the written code kills, but the Spirit gives life. Hint there. We've been coming to the Galatians Bible study two weeks already. We've already kicked the law around the landscape pretty aggressively. Paul has not been real friendly to the law. And here he is again talking to the Corinthians about it, saying, you know, our ability to be confident about what it is we do, that the, the doing of Christianity, is based on an idea in the new covenant. And the distinctive is that it's not the written covenant, it's the spirit. The spirit is life. Now, what that, what that brings to mind is that you've heard, heard it said, maybe read it, ideas have consequences. We know that if you hold an idea, you operate according to that idea. You, you, you generate actions and, and, and words because of what belief or idea you hold about something. And the problem is, the problem is when we look at righteousness, discipleship, holiness, and any other pious words you want to put in there, your ideas will make that Discipleship, uh, 
and you had any experience in the 70s on discipleship, some power-mad Bible study leader getting control of your life and telling you you can't have Burger King because he's your disciple. And you decide you can't have Burger King, which is a blessing. So since ideas have consequences, and we have this righteousness, discipleship, holiness, and other words, if I know certain things that my competence in the life, my competence in ministry, is because of spirit versus written code, it's an idea. In this conversation I had with this gentleman from another church, a staff member of another church, real peacock, peacock, enjoyed getting to know him. But he was, it was almost impossible to describe, you're used to it because you hear it a lot, impossible to describe to him what we meant by we want people to devote themselves because they walk with Christ, not because this church came up with a new plan to stress discipleship. The verse where then they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, breaking of bread and prayers. He couldn't even, it's like he couldn't let that just go. Where it's just, it's the result of the person's walk with Christ. Get them walking with Christ. Get them to believe the gospel, submit themselves to the of sins, to, to the, the teaching of the Word of God, and 
they are changed by the Holy Spirit, they don't have to spend that much time trying to jazz up the church to be productive enough. Productive enough and entertaining enough. And some of you said that that would be relevant. Yeah, and you wouldn't hurt you to be a little more entertaining. Wouldn't hurt church to be a little bit more happening with all the other spots. Well, I know. This shows I'm sincere. <laughs> I want to look at this idea. Now, it's the dispensation of death, verse 7. Now, I was just in this passage three months ago, two months ago, but I stopped at verse 11. And I was looking what comes after verse 11, so that you take Weren't we just here? Yes. But it was a different sermon about a different thing. And uh, and we'll be going on past it. Now, if the dispensation of death, carved in letters on stone, came with such splendor that the Israelites could not look at Moses' face because of his brightness, fading as this was, will not the dispensation of the Spirit be attended with greater splendor? Will not Christianity be more glorious than the most temple observant, righteousness listing group of Jews that you can imagine, written by God on Mount Sinai and pure Christianity, as God dispensed that to you by faith, should be that much more glorious? That much more splendor. See, I, I, uh, I don't, I don't see that. Now, I'm not making a judgment on the church, but maybe you are. I'm making a judgment on yourself. So many times, and I mentioned this in the Bible study on Wednesday. So many times, because we're Western, Western uh, Greco-Roman philosophy trickling into Rome, becoming Thomas Aquinas, becoming John Calvin, Martin Luther, C.S. Lewis, that's, everything's just for brain, and what you believe, doctrines, creeds, confessions, well argued. And we believe that all souls, Christian church, whether you were asked or not, that we're under faith, we're not under law. That's a theological category shift, right? It doesn't say which one is best. Which one is right? But you've experienced the Spirit of God. You know which one is best. When he says to the Galatians, oh, who is Galatians? Who has been with you? Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing the faith? The splendor of one of the ideas that have consequences is whether or not you look at this distinction between the gospel of Jesus Christ and the New Covenant and the Old Covenant under Moses as some sort of, you know, sloppy connection of the two so you can have both. Paul's going, splendor of one, splendor of the other. That one's better. 
That one is better. A lot better. So well, I don't know if you could say that. I mean, Moses is pretty important. Think of the temple. Think of the sacrifices. Think of the priesthoods. Yeah. Think of Christ. For if there was splendor in the dispensation of condemnation, that's what he called the law. Not only does the written code kill back in verse 6, and the Spirit gives life, but if I'm comparing the two categories, both from God, these are not like Satan produces the written code that kills and the book of the, the dispensation of condemnation. No, no, God produced that. The dispensation of righteousness must far exceed it in splendor. You spoke in your chin going, oh, that's true. <laughs> this is an idea that's strangely righteous. It's not just, it's not just the measurement of a claim and how true it is and how well it can be argued. Oh, I don't doubt it can be. But it's pointing at the righteousness versus condemnation. And pointing at splendor, surpassing it. Indeed, in this case, what once had splendor has come to have no splendor at all. Sometimes you get schooled when you realize that what you thought was beautiful, what you thought was full of splendor, and it had its own, there's no denying that. It's when something else comes along with more splendor, just that much more beautiful, that much more attractive. And it compares it.
came with splendor, and it did. You had the people of Israel set free from Egypt, marched out victorious. The sea spread, crushed the Egyptians, marched across the desert, sat at the bottom of a mountain and listened to the voice of God. Pretty impressive. They had the tabernacle. Then the tabernacle was translated as brick and mortar, stone and mortar. Solomon built the temple, then Solomon's temple was destroyed, Ezra built the temple, then Ezra's building was dismantled and Herod built the temple. And then the Christ, God himself, comes and enters that temple. Pretty, pretty impressive religion when you come to think of it. But what faith came with splendor, what is permanent, must have much more splendor. He's talking about the thing that you we're supposed to be countering the scripture. It's not just an argument between faith and law. It's not a position you take that has in your creed, I'm for faith and you're for law. It's not that I'm right, you're wrong. It's glory. I was thinking of this in my Bible open Matthew 24. Matthew 24, as you, as you know, is the at the Olivet. Uh, discourse where Jesus says a bunch of a lot of people think are end timesy sort of things, not about of course. But the first verse is something I was thinking about when I went through this passage. Jesus left the temple and was going away. When his disciples came to up, came to point out to him the buildings of the temple, excuse me. Because he's with tourists. He's traveling with tourists. You can just picture all the disciples in the big city with their fanny packs in front. Pointing, you know how you Davis told us, don't gawk in New York. <laughs> and so what do we do? And this is what the disciples are. The disciples come to Jesus. Look at that. Because Herod's temple, it was something. I mean, some serious change had been spent on this thing. It was still being worked on like the Christ. I think, I think it was finished and then it lasted six years before the government, you know, leveled it to the ground. But it was a glorious thing all the time. So they began to see the thing mostly. Jesus looking at it, he answered them. You see all these, do you, do you not? Truly, I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Oh, the splendor. It's almost like a metaphor of what we're talking about in Corinthians. That the, the splendor is fading away. Now, what you're asking yourself as you look at the law and faith category, Spirit and written code, freedom and bondage. Which one do you think is more righteous? The restrictive one? The one that tells you what you can't do? Why do you submit to regulations? I do not touch, do not taste, do not handle. They all have the appearance of wisdom, promoting rigor, promotion, self-abasement, very 
this is what Christianity says. And the splendor we have needs to be more evident to us because if we're left without splendor as a choice, we'll be choosing the old school choice. We're going, oh, yeah, the building, the temple, the law. We'll build functions and programs. And we'll try to have a lot of money in the budget because budget will make for glory that will be adequate. Now, you've heard me tell you this already. I was at the Vatican two years ago. My heavens. The money, what money can buy, okay? It's remarkable. You can buy Michelangelo with money. And he was bought, and he produced, and if it were that kind of splendor, Roman Catholicism would be the true church. church in Protestant world, and no, they will never be a church in the Protestant world that will compete with the Vatican. So, what, the Catholics win? This is an Irish couple. Last time, that, that phrase was bothered because he was an Irish Protestant. Probably not a Christian, but an Irish Protestant. The idea of the Catholics winning
and veiled us to the Jews. That same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Now, how is it taken away? Well, it's by the grace of God, the power of God, but it's also, there's also the fact of it being of greater permanent splendor when it comes to the efficiency of the righteousness, the efficiency of the discipleship when we serve in it, the efficiency of the holiness is created by it. You are brought to it in freedom. Can you imagine the kind of righteousness that isn't the struggle for righteousness? Just, just the fact that somebody says, oh, it's really a, you know, it's really a struggle for righteousness. What do you mean? Aren't you happy to be obeying your God in Christ if you've seen Christ as he is? If you see Christ as just sort of a placeholder for Moses, you just change the name on the Moses painting so it looks more Christian than Jewish, but it's still Moses. This is freedom we are called to. This is the new covenant we are called to. This is a glory. Christ has taken away if you encounter Christ the right way. Now, these different categories. The surpassing nature of it. Yes, verse 15, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their minds. But when a man turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now, if you're a naturally rational person, <coughs> I understand that you maybe think philosophically or theologically about statements. Paul's making a statement, but it's a true statement. So it's not only defensible in Paul, in Christian theology, it's as efficacy. It's speaking about something that happens. Freedom happens. And the only way I can't see the freedom is if the veil remains over your face where you're still not seeing that one is fading. I mean, I have been in a lot of conversations with a lot of Christians, very mature Christians, very well-educated Christians, who still deny that the law is a law. Still they don't have a category for that. How is that possible? And we all, this is one of my favorite verses. This is one of the reasons I try to avoid this passage a lot, because this has been a favorite verse since the mid-70s for me. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being changed into his likeness from one degree of glory to another. This comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. It's one of the most loaded verses about the path to righteousness and holiness and discipleship is you have to have the correct understanding of where the splendor rests because your face is, is uncovered. And instead of looking at Moses of the law, you look at Christ. And when I look at Christ, I'm changed into his likeness. Degree after degree of glory after another. You're, you're being brought up into greater splendor. 
faith against law, Christ against Moses? Has the veil been lifted, and are you looking at Christ? Because we're approaching, if you don't approach righteousness this way, you're going to be forced into some little performance church where everybody's got a list, a little card you can check on about how good you've been. You won't become someone Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, be numb in his heart. This is the kind of Christianity. If I recommend anything to you guys, you know, and I'm thinking someday to recommend something, is that as a body, as people who know each other, serve each other, and you're serving to the other believers here in town, that the kind of holiness we have is uh, surprising. Not just that it's kind, not just that you move a tree for Cecilia. Make a meal for somebody who had a baby. Those are all good things. But that we look a little bit disturbing. Not because it's super committed to a new bunch of rules that are really strict, but because we're looking at Christ. We renounce disgraceful, underhanded ways, and we refuse to practice cunning and tamper with God's word, but by open statement of the truth. to every man's conscience in the sight of God. We would like this to be a real honest equation where people say veils are lifted in you. Christ lifted the veil about the law. You didn't think it was more just as splendiferous as the gospel. And some Christian thinks it's more splendiferous than the gospel. Can't trust people to be free of Christ. Got to make sure there's some rules. But then when we turn around and face people, we can commend ourselves without any deceit, without setting up a ministry that tries to juke people. 
talking those Christian euphemisms about giving. seeing the light of the gospel. But it's going to be a matter, our testimony of Christianity is going to be whether the splendor that is in the new covenant is evident in you. There's still going to be problems with people saying, it doesn't mean you're going to win every evangelist at the moment, but everybody will see you and drop to their knees and say, my Lord and my God. That's not necessarily going to happen because there are powers working against it, but we are confident in what we are before Christ and the kind of righteousness. 
we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. Remember that in Romans 10. Confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord. We are preaching that. We're not preaching ourselves. We're not preaching what we're spending care doing. It says it on the sign. I don't care what it says. The church has a logo. It only exists on the sermon notes. What? Well, it's on the sermon notes. Jesus Dominus Absent. That's fancy religious talk for Jesus as Lord. We preach Jesus as Lord. Because it's you looking at Jesus, me with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord. With ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who said, let light shine out of darkness. This is the, the preaching of, of the creation. Let there be light. Let light be shut, shine out of darkness. Who has shown in our hearts. I like that combination. We, we, that, it's that moment in the great void of chaos, of darkness in the whatever you want to call it, even history at that point. And God said, okay, light this up. And the cosmos became visible. But don't let there to see it, except for God himself. He still just elbows his way into the black chaos and says, let there be light. This, it's the God who said that, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge and the glory of God in the face of Christ. He, you think he's leaning into that a little bit heavily on the subjective wording? But he made the comparison that the creation and your Christian life and the new creation are kind of equivalent. They, they, they match up with the God that did them both. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels to show that the transcendent power belongs to God and not to us. Things don't have to happen. It's not like this is disproved by the Thunder Road, you know, the Roman Catholic Church has delusions. A lot of cool church. Look at a nice church. Only 35 people. It doesn't have to roll over into the splendor that you measure by old systems. This is the splendor of our God in the face of Christ that you are looking at. You can have that. We can split this congregation in half. Don't you know? But we can split it in half. We can just be a Bible study, and Jesus Christ could be working in you with this kind of splendor. Because it's you're already in earthen vessels. I'm already old and fat. And it's not going to get any better. And you are going to get old and fat, too. And then you'll die. We're all dead. But while we live, we live in the glory of our God and Christ. While we live, and that, it's, it's a benefit that you're in earthen vessels. It's treasure in earthen vessels. No, I don't mind if one of you becomes wealthy or a member of the church.
read an article now this week, last week, how uh, beautiful people, things are less beautiful than they are. Is everything working out for them? Show the transcendent power. Next time you look in the mirror, you go, ah, I'm putting on too much now. You know, earthen vessel. This is for the kingdom. I'm being ugly for the kingdom. <laughs> Jesus Christ will be more evident because of the earthen vessel that I am. I'm going to put on another 20 pounds for Jesus. At least recognize that. This is something that Christianity is, is distinct, not theologically, practically. It's what has happened to you. And if you don't think that